People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Good Monday morning, and it's beginning with major breaking news. President Biden on the ground in Ukraine. It is February 20th. This is Today. Surprise visit, the president traveling to Kyiv overnight, an unprecedented trip to an active war zone just days before the one-year mark of Russia's invasion. Unchecked aggression is a threat to all of us. Mr. Biden visiting a memorial to thousands of fallen Ukrainians alongside Ukraine's president and delivering a powerful message. I'll be with you, Mr. President, for as long as it takes. Fears and frustrations. It falls on their shoulders. It's a train. Residents near that toxic train derailment in Ohio voicing new concerns after the head of the embattled train company visits the site but declines to answer specific questions about the cleanup. A live report just ahead. Outpouring of support. Former President Jimmy Carter surrounded by his family in Georgia this morning after deciding to receive hospice care. We have the very latest. Kids' book controversy, some of Roald Dahl's most iconic stories, re-edited to remove offensive language and make them more inclusive inside the firestorm that's ignited. Those stories plus remembering Richard Belzer. It takes me back to the Easter egg hunts of my youth. The tributes pouring in for the actor and comedian beloved for his decades-long run in the Law & Order franchise. Today, Monday, February 20th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kutby, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Good morning and welcome to Today. Thank you for joining us on this Monday morning, President's Day. I'm Chanel Jones alongside Tom Yamas. Savannah and Hoda are off this morning. We're having a very yeah. busy morning today. There's a lot to get to on what's already been certainly a busy Monday morning with President Biden making that surprise trip to Ukraine. Yeah, the visit part of a scheduled European trip kept a tight secret, not announced until he had already arrived. And this marks the first time in modern history that an American president has entered a war zone where the U.S does not have an active military presence. We have every angle covered for you from across Ukraine to Poland, another stop on the president's trip to the reaction from Moscow. We'll begin with NBC's Aaron McLaughlin in Kyiv. Aaron, good morning. Good morning, Chanel. Today is a historic day here in Kyiv. I watched from a distance as the two presidents' air raid sirens sounding in the background paid tribute to fallen Ukrainian soldiers at the memorial behind me. It was a powerful moment, a show of U.S. support and solidarity. This morning, President Biden arriving in Ukraine for the first time since the invasion began in a secret, unscheduled visit. I'm here to show our unwavering support for the nation's independence, their sovereignty, and, uh, and territorial integrity. Thank you for your leadership. Thanks, bipartisan support. Thanks, Congress. I think that is a historical moment for our, for our 
country. The president meeting with Zelensky at the presidential palace, announcing a new half-billion-dollar aid package, a major show of support as the war approaches its one-year anniversary. Putin thought Ukraine was weak and the West was divided. But he's just been plain wrong. Plain wrong. And one year later, the evidence is right here in this room. Air raid sirens could be heard as both leaders pay tribute to the fallen soldiers of the war, laying a wreath at the Wall of Remembrance. It comes as Russia is driving ahead with its new grinding offensive despite heavy losses. This morning, British intelligence says the Kremlin is desperate for a victory, even a symbolic one. The city of Bakhmut is the Kremlin's main target. Parts of nearby villages now being closed off. But this morning, Ukraine receiving a major morale boost with President Biden's high stakes visit. President Biden also met with U.S. Embassy staff. He also announced new sanctions against individuals and companies seen to be helping the Russian war machine. And we now understand that the president has left the capital. Chanel. All right, Aaron, thank you. And as we said, the president's trip comes at a key time in the war. NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel is also on the ground for us inside Ukraine. Richard, good morning. And as we approach the one year anniversary of the invasion, the president's trip sending a message to Ukraine, but also to Russia. What a morale boost this is for the Ukrainian people who have been concerned that this war is dragging on a long time. Uh, they know that it is a burden not just for themselves but for the international community with refugees spread out all, all across Europe. Uh, so uh, th this trip is, is aimed at boosting the confidence of the Ukrainian people, giving support to the, the Ukrainian government, but it is also clearly a message to, to Vladimir Putin. If Vladimir Putin had his way, he would have been in Kyiv today. He would have been celebrating his victory, taking over this country, incorporating it into Russia. Instead, Ukraine still stands. Kyiv is still free. It is still controlled by the government. And we had President Biden there saying that the United States will continue to support Ukraine's democratic government for as long as it takes. So multiple messages today. Can you put this in perspective? How different is Biden's visit than other presidential trips to war zones? Uh, very different. I, I've seen quite a few of these over the years. Uh, President Bush going to Iraq and uh, and several American presidents, uh, President Bush and Trump all going to Iraq, Afghanistan. Uh, but those visits, while while dangerous, were in countries that had large U.S. military presence. And in general, uh, the former presidents went to American military bases, environments that could be controlled, in, in an environment where you need a badge to enter uh, and leave, a place where the United States has full air control. Uh, this is extraordinarily different. Uh, he is effectively going into or went into a capital at war uh, where there are air defenses, but where neither side, neither Ukraine nor the Russians, have total dominance over the airspace, uh, going into a populated area where civilians live, where civilians could be uh, hiding out in, in any of those buildings. So a, a tremendous security challenge. We started hearing rumors that this was going to happen yesterday, no confirmation, uh, but when we started to to see the security measures being put into place uh, in, in Kyiv, that traffic was going to be disrupted, that cars weren't going to be allowed on the streets, that mobile phone service was cut off for a limited uh, time period. 
when we started to uh, hear that these restrictions were starting to come together, uh, reporters started to, to, to ask, well, what's happening? Could this be a presidential uh, by, uh, trip on his way to Poland? And that's what it turned out to be. An incredibly difficult trip to pull off, but apparently they did it. All right, Richard, thank you for that. Also this morning, back here at home, residents who live near the site of that toxic train derailment in Ohio are voicing new frustrations. This after the CEO of the train company made a surprise visit to the area over the weekend. NBC's George Solis has the latest. George, good morning. Yeah, Tom, good morning. The CEO coming into town to meet with some local leaders, business owners, and even a few of his employees that live here in town. But the problem is this visit was unannounced, and many residents here feel they didn't get a chance to get their voices heard specifically about health concerns. To that end, the Ohio Department of Health says they are gearing up to open a health clinic here in town tomorrow. This morning, residents of East Palestine expressing their frustration. It's a terrible accident. Uh, it falls on their shoulders. It's a train. After Alan Shaw, the CEO of Norfolk Southern, made an unannounced trip to the town. I've made it very clear. I am terribly sorry for what has happened to this community. This as fears over air, water and soil quality in this tight-knit town escalate. To walk out this morning, it was like I couldn't breathe. Mike McKim was among a small group of business owners and community members that spoke with the CEO privately. He was apprehensive about coming here with a bunch of angry <laughs> people. I'm not afraid to say that it wasn't right. Security cameras from McKim's newly opened winery captured the nearby fiery derailment. His business now sits empty as customers cancel reservations over health concerns. In an interview with our NBC affiliate, Shaw declined to answer specific questions about cleanup concerns. We're being completely transparent, completely collaborative with the Ohio EPA on this. In a letter to Shaw, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg called for accountability, writing, the people cannot be forgotten, adding Norfolk Southern must demonstrate that you will not seek to supercharge profits by resisting higher standards. But it comes after a report saying Norfolk Southern pushed against new safety standards for the rail industry. Shaw met with Buttigieg three months ago to discuss shared goals over economic growth and infrastructure investments. But in a memo reviewed by the Washington Post, a transportation department lawyer said the meeting was an opportunity for Norfolk Southern to raise concerns about a proposed federal rule that would require trains, in most cases, to have two crew members. Federal regulators have argued that two workers could better respond to derailments. The EPA saying there are still no air or water quality concerns. But many residents are still using bottled water, some relying on giveaways like this one. Even so, the future of this town, still uncertain. Yes, you're still worried. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How could you not be worried? Now, Norfolk Southern says it's paid out some $2.6 to business owners and residents here in town. But keep in mind, residents here really just want assurances about their drinking water. Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown still announcing that some residents should still test their water as a precaution. Meanwhile, the Ohio Attorney General says his office is planning to file a lawsuit against the company as the investigation into the train derailment continues. Tom? One of several expected lawsuits. All right, George, we thank you for that. Turning now to an outpouring of love and respect for former President Jimmy Carter, the 98-year-old at his home in Plains, Georgia, surrounded by family and friends as he begins to receive hospice care. The Carter Center is saying he made that decision after a series of short hospital stays. NBC's Priscilla Thompson is in Plains for us. Priscilla, good morning. 
Chanel, good morning. Former President Carter remains in hospice care here at his home in Plains. As around the country and across the globe, people are thinking of him and praying for his family. Across the nation, an outpouring of love for former President Jimmy Carter. After Saturday's announcement, the 98-year-old would begin hospice care at his home. Thousands sharing words of comfort and treasured memories. President Biden tweeting, we admire you for the strength and humility you have shown in difficult times. We do lift the Carter family, Lord, to you. At his beloved church this weekend, where Carter taught Sunday school for decades, prayers of comfort. We're going to miss him. To me, he's a friend, and to a lot of us here, he's just a, a fellow churchgoer. His hometown, proud of the one-time peanut farmer who became commander-in-chief. He went to Georgia Tech. Philip Curland owns a political memorabilia shop filled with decades of mementos from President Carter's life and career. What do you think his legacy here in Plains will be? The Carters have made a real difference for the better. Elected president in 1976. I, Jimmy Carter, do solemnly swear. He served only one term in office before dedicating his life to fighting for peace and human rights around the world. When the United States won't deal with troubled areas, we go there and we meet with leaders who can bring an end to a conflict. One cause closest to his heart, Habitat for Humanity, where he helped build more than 4,000 homes. The longest living president in American history, Carter survived cancer in his 80s. I just thought I had a few weeks left. Through it all, Rosalind, his wife of more than 75 years, by his side. The best thing I ever did was marrying Rosalind. That, that's the pinnacle of my life. Now, as the Carter family holds each other up, the community and the country prepare for what comes next. It's time for us to carry on his legacy. Time for us to try and be good people, help people. And after surviving that cancer diagnosis, former President Carter talked about feeling at ease about the end of life, saying that he had lived an adventurous and exciting life. And for that, he was so grateful. And after this announcement, his grandson tweeted saying that the Carters are at peace. Chanel? Prayers to their family for sure. All right, Priscilla, thank you. Okay, let's get our first check of weather now. Dylan's in for Al. And Dylan, you got some good news for us. Good news for the warm-up. If you like that sort of thing in February, it's going to be well above average, if not breaking records in several areas. Today, we're running about 15 to 20 degrees above average. Kansas City, 62. Dallas, 81 degrees. Cincinnati, 59. Same thing in New York City. So it'll feel real nice. And then as we go into tomorrow, that warming trend continues. Dallas, 86 degrees. Charleston, South Carolina, 77. 71 in Norfolk. Philadelphia, 59 degrees. And then as we go into Thursday, in the middle of the week, we're looking to break some record high temperatures, especially down uh, across the south into Florida. The warmest it's ever been in February has been 90 degrees. It's happened twice, once in the 30s, once in the 60s. We're forecasting a high of 92 degrees on Thursday. That would be the warmest February temperature on record. So not only will we break your daily record high temperatures, but we could see uh, just some exceptional heat down through Florida for this time of year. The warmth continues again down through Texas today, mild 
mild in the northeast, a little bit snowy, though, on the flip side of this whole thing. Temperatures in the 30s and uh, some lower 40s across the upper Midwest as we go into this afternoon. And that's your latest forecast. All right. Thank you, Dylan. Still ahead, the heated debate that has erupted over a decision to rework classic children's books by author Roald Dahl. Jacob Soparoff has that story. What's up, Chanel? Good morning. Yeah, this is a controversy indeed, a heated debate. As you said, some of our favorite books, including James and the Giant Peach, Matilda, even Charlie and the Chocolate Factory look a lot different. I'm going to tell you why coming up. Yeah, plus call it the Great Migration. Americans packing up and moving to the South in greater numbers than ever before. We'll take a closer look at the trend and what and why it matters wherever you live. But first, this is Today on NBC. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at Fidelity.com baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed Jacob Soperoff is joining us. All right. Well, let's begin this half hour with a controversial move in the world of literature. Yeah. You know, Roald Dahl wrote some of the most popular children's books of all time. But now the company behind them says it has worked with a collective devoted to inclusion and accessibility, resulting in changes the critics are labeling censorship. I'm Hortensia. From Matilda. She doesn't really hit children with that rhyming crop, does she? To Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. To James and the Giant Peach. All of the Ruwal Dahl books are considered classics of children's literature and film. But a new generation of readers might find passages that have been altered from the original text. Britain's Telegraph newspaper detailing hundreds of word changes made to UK editions by Dahl's publisher and the Ruwal Dahl Story Company. Edits to subjects like weight, gender, physical appearance, and more. In Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the enormously fat Augustus Gloop is now just enormous. The frightening Miss Trunchbull from Matilda no longer described with a great horsey face. And the cloud men from James and the Giant Peach are now cloud people. Those who work with young people recognize that they were dealing here with children's literature and there has to be some sensitivity about topics that didn't exist in time past. But the changes have triggered a backlash. Writer Salman Rushdie tweeting, Roald Dahl was no angel, but this is absurd censorship. Another critic writing, sensitive readers shouldn't be anywhere near Roald Dahl to begin with. Dahl expressed anti-Semitic views in interviews before his death in 1990. 
Thirty years later, the author's family issued an apology for the hurt his statements caused. Now, the Roald Dahl Story Company says reviewing a work's language is not unusual, adding any changes made have been small and carefully considered. Other media companies are grappling with similar issues. Disney Plus has added an on-screen disclaimer to some of its classic films, including Peter Pan, warning viewers, this program includes negative depictions and or mistreatment of people or cultures. These stereotypes were wrong then and are wrong now. For families, it's part of an ongoing conversation about how to approach classics from the past in today's modern world. It's a conversation that yeah. uh, a lot of us are having right now. Netflix now owns the rights to Doll's works. In a statement, the Royal Doll Story Company says the language review actually began before that all happened, and the revised editions became available in the U.K. last year. It isn't actually clear, guys, if the U.S. versions will be edited uh, in the same way, but mm. I think the bottom line is people look for something that they know and they love yeah. and it looks different, and of course you're going to have something to say it. about it. Yeah. yeah. Right, and there's but, different versions. So yeah, the buzz will certainly continue, that is for no sure. No doubt about that. Thank you. Okay, still ahead, speaking of the U.K., a big night at the so-called British Oscars, including Prince William and Kate on hand for a special tribute to the Queen. We'll take you live to London. But first, is a pandemic trend here to stay? Sam Brock is in Miami, one of the cities in the South that Americans are moving to in historic numbers. Sam? Yeah, Chanel, how many times in the last few years has somebody said to you, I'm moving to Miami or Austin or Houston or Charlotte? Well, it turns out the numbers are out. This is officially a thing, people moving to the South. But where are they primarily moving from and to? We'll take a closer look right after this break. All right, we're back now at 738 with an in-depth today. During the pandemic, there were a lot of stories about people choosing to leave more expensive American cities and headed mostly to one region, the South. Well, you know, by the way, there are now numbers that are going to back that up. How long is this trend going to last is the question. NBC Sam Brock joins us from one of the places with many new faces. Hey, Sam. Chanel, guys, good morning. Look, it feels like we've been talking about this for a long time now. The U.S. Census figures do back it up that from the middle of 2021 to the middle of 2022, by far and away, the most amount of migration within the U.S. was to the south. And within those numbers, guys, Florida and Texas, easily the biggest gainers. New York and California, easily the biggest losers. Now, this is a small sample size of about a year, but there are signs that this could last a while. Whether it's the breezy waters of South Florida beckoning or the barbecue and lively music of Austin calling their name, Americans are increasingly picking up and planning routes in the South. Like Nina Price, who took a road trip from Boston to Austin in September 2020, intending to stay for a few short months until plans changed. I had zero interest in coming back to Boston in the dead of winter, and I was loving Austin. I, I had met a bunch of great friends there. I just loved the way of life, so I decided to stay, and now I'm two and a half years later, haven't left. Price, who does marketing for a startup, represents a big piece of the pie in this southern shift. Young people in their 20s and 30s, emboldened by work-from-home trends, taking their shot in a new city. Nearly 1.4 million Americans have moved to the south between the middle of 2021 and 2022. With Texas and Florida easily grabbing the lion's share, followed by North Carolina and Georgia. The state seeing the biggest exodus, New York, California, and Illinois. It's a story that can also be told through cities, with Houston, Miami, and Atlanta seeing the largest percentage of inbound moving rates in 2022, as the Miami metro has seen by far the largest increase since the start of the pandemic. We have sunshine, we have palm trees, we have beaches. We have no income tax. Jordan Lederman has been selling residence. real estate in South Florida for more than a decade and runs the Lederman Group at Fortune Christie's International Real Estate. 
With this influx of people, how have the communities and the neighborhoods changed? They've changed dramatically. You know, we have so many cool areas now. Those on the move appear to be exporting a small slice of their old cities with them. When you go to the financial district of Miami, which is called Brickell, it really looks like a mini New York. You see everything from professionals to young families to uh, large families. And normally those would be the tourists. Demographers say it's not just younger people, but older folks too, pulled by a variety of factors. The number of cities there, the number of the homes that are available there, the number of jobs that are available there are going to attract a large part of the migrants that are going to the south. For Price, she says she might return to the Northeast someday. But for now, the future is just that. I don't know if it's a a generational shift or or just a general cultural shift that's allowing people to feel a little bit more of that freedom and not as much of a tie to a a place as it is to, to, you know, experiences. Sam, with such high demand, what about concerns over housing costs? Are they playing a role in this? Look, so the cost of living differences, Chanel, and certainly housing is very much at the forefront of that, are still substantial. When you look at New York or Los Angeles compared to Miami, Atlanta, Austin, yes, the prices here have exploded in recent years, but it's still a better value proposition. There's also another thing to point out right now, which is the fact that traditionally demographers say this younger generation, which tend to be more diverse, usually flocks back to bigger cities like New York, like Chicago. The question right now, will they revert to the baseline and do that? Or are we looking at a permanent change? Shit. You know? That's so interesting, Sam. Thank yeah. you. I know so and many people. You left yeah. your hometown. Ooh, ooh. No, I was going to say, I don't know if we can go back to Sam, but it's it's all of that and what was just behind Sam. Sam's what? handsome, but Sam, <laughs> if you can get out of the way, that view is just, I mean, I mean come on. Why wouldn't you? Come on. You got you got that view, low taxes, what we call Guaneo. You got you get the Yamas family down there. Right. It's, I like the Sam Rock view. Just saying. Come back in, Sam. <laughs> come on back Sam. in. I mean, it's just... I don't know. I was going to say, Tom might be a little biased in all of this, but he's right. Not having to deal with harsh weather is so nice. No state income taxes. That was another one response that I got from people. Good story. All right. Thank you, Sam. Sam. Perfect transition. I know. Weather's perfect. Here we go. To Dylan Dreyer. I just want to throw out there that if you take the Staten Island Ferry, the view of Lower Manhattan looks just like that. Agree. Not not in February. (laughs) Although today it's going to be nearly 60 degrees in New York City, but we do have a big, big winter storm that's making its way into to the West Coast. So we already have winter weather advisories, winter storm watches, even some blizzard warnings across parts of Wyoming as this storm gets going. So today we're going to see it make its way on shore. Rain along the coast of Washington State, some mountain snow. But then as this moves eastward and intensifies, we are going to see heavy snow through the Rockies, through Wyoming. We could end up across parts of Wyoming and Montana with several inches of snow, close to a foot of snow possible. And then as it continues to move eastward by Wednesday into Thursday, even up into Minneapolis, we're going to see some heavy snow, perhaps some icing before it changes over to rain in Chicago and Detroit. And then this will uh, make its way into the Northeast by the end of the week. So we could see as much as I'd say 18 inches of snow across parts of southern Minnesota as this storm moves eastward. Again, that's not till about Wednesday. In the meantime, Wyoming would get hit first with locally up to one to three feet of snow possible. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank you for that. (laughs) Coming up, the tributes pouring in for comedian and actor Richard Belzer. The touching ways he's being remembered by his Law and Order family and fans all around the world. But first, these messages. We are back at 748 Remembering, beloved actor and comedian Richard Belzer, a longtime staple on the Law and Order franchise. Yeah, and a member of the NBC family. He passed away yesterday at the age of 78. NBC's Stephanie Gosk is here with a look back 
at his life and legacy. Steph, good morning. Hey, guys, good morning. Belzer was most famous for his role as the cynical detective John Munch, a character he carried with him across different shows for more than two decades. You had one hell of a run, Sergeant Munch. Did I? I don't know where it all went. Best known as Detective John Munch on Law & Order SVU. Hello. Richard Belzer brought his trademark humor you and intelligence to the role. His career spanned decades, with a character so beloved that it crossed into multiple series, and sometimes even into real life, as Belzer once told today. A, a real shoplifter comes running around the corner in the middle of the set, and he sees all these cop cars. And <laughs> so he dropped the bag, and he held up his hands and surrendered to me. Are you serious? And he said, oh, expletive, munch. Belzer began his career in comedy and landed a gig as the warm-up comic for Saturday Night Live in its early years, occasionally appearing on the show. Good evening, I'm Chevy Chase, and you're not. One for the road, Lieutenant. It was in 1993 as Detective John Munch in Homicide Life on the Street when Belzer launched into TV history. Belzer played the role of the wisecracking police detective on 10 different series, including Homicide, The Wire, The X-Files, 30 Rock, Sesame Street, and Arrested Development. Law & Order creator Dick Wolf posting, Richard brought humor and joy into all our lives, was the consummate professional, and we will all miss him very much. Co-star Mariska Hargitay writing, How lucky the angels are to have you. I can hear them laughing already. And Christopher Maloney posting, Goodbye, mon ami. I love you. Belzer passed away peacefully at his home in France of undisclosed health issues, according to his longtime manager. He's survived by his wife and two stepdaughters. What a life, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, prolific career. Okay, Steph, Thank thanks you, for Steph. that. Guys, coming up, a touching reunion between the stars of an iconic movie franchise. We're going to have that and more for you on Popstar. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.